There was a huge party in East St. Paul over the weekend and some bad things happened. What is the role of social media videos in tracking down perpetrators involved? And what do we know about mob mentality? Halloween was yesterday, so today we talked about what to do with some of our candy and what to do with pumpkins. Would you consider selling your Halloween candy for a couple of bucks? And Compost Winnipeg is gearing up for its second annual pumpkin drop. After Halloween, of course, the next milestone is Remembrance Day. And coming up a few days before Remembrance Day is an important ceremony called No Stone Left Alone. We'll learn about that from Peter Martin. And we had a lot of fun today talking about logistical misfires. Greg and his family had a little bit of an adventure trying to meet up for a bite to eat. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday... November 1st podcast for the start. Good morning. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And I am, I'm actually really curious to know how many people are having mini chocolate bars for breakfast as I look over at Greg and see a giant pile of them. What kind should I have? <laughs> My kids actually ended up going out. Oh, yeah? Well, one of them Good. did. Yeah, I, I thought it. it was great. There were lots of teenagers out and about yesterday, which uh, is, which which famous congressman, senator uh, from the southern United States said, uh, talking about making good trouble. Yeah, that's, yes. that, that's, that's what uh, lots of kids were up to. And not trouble, but just out and about and uh, interacting and, and trick-or-treating, which is really what we want our kids to be doing, right, is, is, is being good. Well, we are going to get into this at 637. Uh, kids behaving badly, I'd say, is my remark from the video that was shared, a video, several videos shared on Instagram and other platforms that showed this out-of-control party in East St. Paul over the weekend. And RCMP shared what was a two-page media release yesterday. I don't know if I've seen one that lengthy involving the number of police officers, number of kids involved, teenagers, all sorts of different accusations being made. And so we're going to get more into that at 630. But as I was watching kids go through the neighborhood last night, and a number of them were 15, 16 kids I knew, I was so excited to see them. I thought, yes, the the whole nonsense of you're too old to trick or treat at some point. I don't have a problem giving you a baby Kit Kat if you're 16, if you're out having some fun with your friends, man. Like, have at her. I might do it next year. <laughs> it was great. I can never remember being able to sit outside, sit on my front stoop, and hand out candy. It was fantastic. I actually got a lawn chair out, had some music going, and the kids would come up and have a chit-chat. It was way different than other years on that front as opposed to, you know, kind of being behind the door and uh, just being out with the people. And then you could talk to the parents at the end of the driveway. It was uh, it was a really wonderful night. Didn't have a ton of kids, but the kids that I did have were super polite. Yeah? Yeah. And not one Halloween apples. Oh! <laughs> I had a trick-or-treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat. Not too big, not too small, just the size of Montreal. <laughs> Uh, but didn't get any Halloween apples. What we have to keep that tradition going. Maybe it's gone. It could be, you know. I never understood that either because I hate apples. So why, when I walk, <laughs> when I walk up to a house hoping to get some chocolate, I don't know why I would say Halloween apples. Yeah, that's a good point. So, uh, so feel free to let us know. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. How many kids did you get? And did any of them say Halloween? Apples instead. I haven't of heard that in decades. I got to be honest. I don't think that. Did we pass that on to our kids to say that? 
I don't think so. That yeah. died. That died in 1995 or something. <sighs> you told day. your kids to say that? I don't think so. Yeah, you sad, don't want the apples either. Sad, sad day for prairie vernacular. Yeah, because that doesn't that didn't exist anywhere else, did it? As far as we know, yeah, we we did a, a deep dive on that several years ago. <laughs> Trying to find the origin. <laughs> the experts say no. It's a Saskatchewan, Manitoba. <laughs> All right. Um, in the meantime, there's something that uh, caught both of your attention the, the last night and this morning. So we wanted to share with you because just a really bizarre situation on the other side of the globe. Shanghai Disney has become the latest high-profile venue to shut its gates thanks to China's strict zero-COVID policy trapping visitors inside. People have been told they will not be allowed out of the theme park until they can show a negative test. It comes after Shanghai reported 10 locally transmitted cases on Saturday, and China's controversial zero-COVID policy has already seen millions of people repeatedly locked down, sometimes in unusual locations. I think this would satisfy the uh, description as unusual. The sudden nature of... Lockdowns have seen people fleeing shops, including a Shanghai branch of Swedish furniture giant IKEA and workplaces as they try to avoid being trapped inside. However, those awaiting their freedom at Shanghai Disney can console themselves with one positive. This from the BBC, by the way. Rides are continuing to operate. For those trapped inside the quote-unquote happiest place on earth, videos posted on Chinese social media site Weibo showed people rushing to the park's gates following the announcement but finding them already locked, Loretta. So hang on. There are people who are inside the park wanting to get out, but they couldn't unless they had a negative test. But then because they posted, you get free rides? Yeah. yeah. People are wanting to go into the park? No, you can't go in. Oh, you cannot I thought, go in. I thought that meant that people showed rushing to the park gates but finding them already locked, like from the outside because no. there was some sort of free ride scenario. Got it. So you just can't get out. You can't get in unless you have that negative test. Correct. So on the social media site WeChat, the Shanghai government said the park was barring people from entering and those inside could only leave once they had that negative test, as Brett said. It added that anyone who had visited the park since Thursday must provide three negative tests over three consecutive days. There's no idea when this park might reopen. Shanghai Dizzy said tickets will be valid for six months. Refunds will be given. But it comes just two days after the park began operating a reduced capacity to comply with COVID measures over there. So it's fascinating, Brett. Here we are sort of out and about for Halloween last night with zero questions. Might be have questions, but zero restrictions. And man, look what's happening over there. Yeah, it's not the first time the park has unexpectedly shut either. Last November, 30,000 people were trapped inside after authorities ordered everyone to be tested as part of contact tracing. Almost three years since China reported its first coronavirus case, authorities across the vast nation continue to impose abrupt and extreme measures in a bid to stop any transmission of the virus. Millions of people are under 200 different lockdowns in China. As of October 24th, as the country of 1.45 billion consistently records more than 1,000 new COVID cases a day. Those numbers are seen as relatively small outbreaks in other parts of the world. But earlier this month, Chinese President Xi Jinping signaled that there would be no easing up of the zero COVID policy, which aims to wipe out all outbreaks, calling it, quote, a people's war to stop the spread of the virus. So I, I can't. I, I can't for the life of me understand why these places are open in the first place. Uh, the, the Shanghai Disneyland was operating at a reduced capacity. But if there's a concern about this, why uh, why would they be open if at one point on any given day somebody can decide, you know what, we need to close this, close this place? And the other thought I'm having, Loren, is this part of making people think twice about going anywhere without implementing broad-based 
lockdowns. They're just uh, scaring people into going anywhere in fear of uh, being trapped there for two, three, or four or five days. Well, if it happens in a park, if it happens in Ikea, you have to wonder if that's part of the plan. But here we were, you know, three years ago looking over there to different things that were going down. And now three years later, you just have to feel... I, I just question how far we're going with some of this kind of stuff. I, different policies, different countries. I get it, but um, I don't want to be trapped. That's not the happiest place on earth, as far as I'm concerned, especially when you can't get out. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Thank you very much for joining us today. In a moment, we are going to discuss further the situation that happened in East St. Paul situation is uh, an understatement to say the least but first getting some good feedback on how Halloween went last night on the trick-or-treating front what do we got Mackling? Sean uh, said they counted 156 kids okay that's pretty good I think we had about 120. That was our guest last night. What? But we were going based off the box of chips. We're in, a, we're in a circle and we get together as neighbors to hand out the candy okay. so that each of us can go out with our families. Oh, nice. So we had two boxes of chips gone and still kids were coming and that was 108 bags of chips. We had other bowls of candy as well, but that's how we were keeping track. You know, each kid got a bag of chips. But then we started to realize that some of us, you know, myself included, had eaten some of the chips <laughs> during the night. So That doesn't you happen. Know. Wah. Which one of you were putting down uh, the wagon wheel the other day? I, I will put it down. It wasn't me, but I'll put it down any day of the week, Brett. Sorry. And, and yeah. Brett, you're not a fan either? No, I think I liked the flavor, but I found the texture weird. Okay, that's fair. Anyway, I was giving out wagon wheels oh. last night, and the kids were very excited about the wagon Faked wheel. It. Fake, fake excitement. Mm, if you say so. <laughs> Teresa oh, said, uh, Teresa <laughs> said, uh, agrees with me. Uh, keep Halloween apples alive. And then Roxanne said, we had a record number of kids last night. It was wonderful. And we did have one little guy saying Halloween apples. Okay. So there you go. It's not quite dead yet. All You'd right. Rather an apple than that wagon wheel. <laughs> I think I might too, actually. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shuddy. Shuddy. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. All right. So now we want to get to something we first flagged on this show yesterday in the 6 o'clock hour. Yeah, it involved the videos that were going around on social media that showed hundreds of young people partying on the streets and in and around a home in a quiet neighborhood in East St. Paul Saturday night. We heard from RCMP late yesterday or in the early afternoon, and as Global's Roseanne Hampel reports, what they found was a trail of chaos that frightened and shocked neighbors. Intoxication, vandalism, and violence. A night that spun out of control. There's a lot, like, I don't know how many, hundreds, probably hundreds of them. Monica Balaxo and her family saw it unfold from across their usually quiet street Saturday night. I saw that teens were running, because probably because the police are coming and then few teens went, jumped onto the police car and then they smashed the glass. Mounties say they arrived at a home on Saddle Ridge Lane in East St. Paul around 10 o'clock Saturday night. RCMP Staff Sergeant Kyle McFadden says officers were swarmed by dozens of intoxicated youth which led to two damaged RCMP cruisers and more. Being spit at um, fireworks potentially uh, deployed in their direction and some racially uh, charged statements. 
Mounties called for backup from several other detachments along with Winnipeg police. McFadden also says officers rescued a woman from being sexually assaulted by two young men who fled the scene. She was treated for her injuries. That's probably our biggest concern is, you know, what if we didn't get there or someone else wasn't there to help? And what else uh, went on there that maybe hasn't been reported to police or uh, the appropriate people yet? It's a night that's left Biloxo rattled. Myself and all the guests here, they're, they're scared. And others in disbelief. I was like, what is going on here? Like, I was shocked. Like, I've never seen this many kids down one street before. Damage to the house and property is extensive. McFadden says officers arrested several youth that night, but he couldn't say whether any charges have been laid yet. In a release, Mounties say the owner was out of town when the party happened, but is cooperating with police. RCMP say they'll be reviewing audio and video captured by police and obtained through social media, and are promising people will be held accountable for their actions. Rosanna Hempel, Global News. So that sexual assault allegation and situation is is uh, by far and away the most concerning thing for me as a parent, as a human being, as a resident. And when you look around and, and you see the videos and the number of people that were there, it was absolutely astonishing. I've seen some private Instagram videos I have kids of a certain age and they have friends who were sharing videos of being at this party and I have never seen anything like it. I I hosted some pretty good shakers back in the day at my age, but there was never any more than 30 or 40 people. We're talking 10, 15 times that. And the number can we talk of people about that were at this party, Loren. The hashtag that was going around with that. Brett, you flagged this yesterday because if you're not familiar, there was they they were using they were calling it Project X or some of the social media posts were referencing is that, and that's a film correct yeah like it's a, a, out of control party or exactly it came out in 2012 it's just about three high school nerds who are trying to make their mark before they it, it's kind of like super bad they just wanted to make their mark before they exited high school so they threw this party and somehow it just spread like wildfire went went out of control I just watched the movie trailers again for this movie mm-hmm. yesterday and when you see it in a movie. It's funny because they're driving, you know, one of the guys says, oh, please don't touch my dad's car. He'll lose his mind. if." And then the next scene, you see the car being driven into the swimming pool and people are jumping off the roof of the house. It's, it's chaos. It's anarchy. But it's a movie. It's fantasy. So to see something like that on these videos, like kids jumping on windshields of police cars... Uh, yeah, the, the the fact that they are using Project X as a hashtag for this is apropos. Well, and this is quite literally something you see in the movies, not something you imagine to see in the city of Winnipeg or just outside the city of Winnipeg. Kids jumping on police cars and smashing them. And, and we've been told that uh, some of the individuals involved were spitting at police mm-hmm. officers and, and racial comments towards officers. Just not anything that you anticipate seeing. I can tell you that this whole... I did some research yesterday and I can tell you this house was recently sold. It was sold at the end of August for just, at $750,000. And so the owner of this home has actually sold it and has to hand over the keys to a new owner at some point in the next few days. Wow. Well, you so know what's you going can to imagine be, that. I can't imagine that and the frustration you'd find there and the concern because now it's a, it's a crime scene in so many respects. And Brett, 
because there are so many videos going around, there's a plethora of potential evidence for RCMP. So after seven, we're going to speak to a criminologist about and a sociologist about the use of this kind of video in crimes. I mean, I, like I know there's always an instinct to take video and I'm not sure in that moment if people were doing it because they thought it was awesome or if they themselves were like, man, we better record this because someone's going down for what's going wrong here. Mackling McGarry McNabb, before we get into this and tell you how you can win yourself some Shania Twain tickets, we have a listener who is texting us from um, Elm Street in River Heights. 850 kids last night. And they've also included pictures of their front yard. It's absolutely spectacular. Wow. The 16-year-old son said they even built an electric chair. A prop, of course. <laughs> 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 wow. 400 bucks in candy. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. so. I, we saw some videos on the social media last night that I was pretty sure were from River Heights. And it looked like right out of a Hollywood movie. Yeah. Obviously with the temperatures last night and mm. everything else, you know, kids were out and about everywhere. So keep sending us your statistics. 204-780-6868. As well as any concerning things. Because we are hearing Loren about something uh, potentially that, uh, bothersome that might have been handed out last night. Yeah, I'm just putting an email into Winnipeg Police right now to see if they've received any reports on this. But we know that on the day after Halloween or the night of Halloween, lots of parents are combing their kids' bags to see if they have anything in them that they shouldn't have. Uh, you know, perhaps when I was growing up, there was concerns about razor blades. And so we're seeing some reports not verified at this point of maybe some edibles that ended up, cannabis edibles that ended up in a bag. But we're working to see what that's about. And uh, we'll bring more info on that if we get it but all right always a good reminder check the kids candies once twice three times yeah especially uh i didn't even know that what was handed out was a, that was a thing um so we are going to tell you now how you can win yourself some tickets to see shania twain may 14th canada life center and it has to do with logistical miscommunication mr mackling what happened to you i was in river heights speaking of river heights a couple of thursdays ago to watch one of my boys play football at kelvin high school and my brother and sister-in-law were kind enough to to pop by and to watch the game. And I was with one of my I one of my boys was on the field. One of the boys was with me. Bottom line was I had a chore to do. Left one of the children with my uh, and I thought in the capable hands of my brother and sister-in-law. We decided to get together for a bite to eat. And the miscommunication I won't get into, only to tell you that I ended up at the Leopold's on Academy, sitting, waiting for people for about a half an hour. And my sister-in-law ended up at the Leopold's on South Osborne with my son that didn't play football. And my brother and my niece ended up at the Leopold's at River and Osborne, <laughs> waiting for all of us to congregate there. So we want to talk about your miscommunications. I'll meet you here. I'll meet you there. I'll buy the popcorn. You get the drinks. You end up with two boxes of popcorn. I don't know. Lots of logistical nightmares out of miscommunications that might have taken place in your life. Which, just very quickly, which Leopolds did you all th end up at finally? River and Osborne, but I didn't even get a chance to sit down because I had to go and pick the other one up from football. Okay. It just, yeah, the, 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 life of, the life of running around, the life of a parent. Okay, let's go around the horn here. Uh, Jeff Braun, let's start with you. 
It's in the 80s, and the Braun family is camping uh, in Minnesota, just outside Minneapolis, I guess. And we decided, oh, we'll go to the Minnesota Twins-Oakland A's game. And this is prime both those teams. It's Dennis Eckersley for the A's and Kirby Puckett for the Twins, right? Mm. So I'm very excited about that. We get all loaded up in the van. We head to towards the Metrodome, and my dad says, well, i got to stop at the liquor store first and, and buy uh, some supplies for when we get back to the campground later. So I was like, okay. So we pulled in there, and my dad went in, and I went in with him just to get out of the van. And while my dad's shopping around, uh, I look at the wall, and they got a big Minnesota Twins, uh, you know, the season schedule poster kind of thing on the wall. <laughs> and I'm looking at it and looking at it, and I said, Dad, come here. And he comes over, he's like, what? And I said, the game is in Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And he said, well, I guess I'll buy more supplies and we'll go back to the camp. <laughs> That's fabulous. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. Boitress, you want to follow that? Uh, well, I was in Europe and I met this guy named Igor. He was this Ukrainian guy. Um, and I wanted to go back to the hostel for a nap. And I, and I told him, okay, I'll meet you at the hostel bar. I'm going to go for a nap. I'll be there at 630. And then we'll head out. And uh, his English was pretty good. And so he didn't, he looks at me like 6.30. He like, he had no idea what I was talking about. I, I guess they're on a 24 hour clock there or something. Maybe he was just on a 24 hour clock, but I said, oh, uh, 6.30 in the evening. And he looks at me and I go, okay, 18.30. And he goes, oh, okay, I, I understand. And I go, yeah, well, North America, we just, we just say 6.30. And he looks at me and he goes, well, then how do you, how do you know what time to be at places for? <laughs> And I go, well, you know, if somebody says to meet you at 6.30, they generally don't mean 6.30 in the morning. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I learned something that day and I was like, yeah, well, and I, and I, and I still am like, well, it's, 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 it's not hard to follow. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if somebody tells you, I'll see you at 7, they don't mean 7 a.m. Meet you, you at the bar at 7. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably thought I was crazy. Like, you know, at 6.30 in the morning, what kind of guy is this? He's nuts. <laughs> Forte, what about you? Oh, when I was uh, younger, we went to Disney World and at the Magic Kingdom. And after the fireworks, I was with my cousin and uh, we brought with us uh, those uh, walkie-talkie radios. And so what he started doing is scanning. So he joined someone else's conversation and they'd be like, uh, the people would be talking to each other saying, oh, we're going to take the boat to the parking lot or we're going to take the train to the parking lot. And so my cousin was buzzing in to their conversation being like, when listen to the people say, yeah, we're going to take the boat. We'll meet you at the boat launch in the parking lot. And he would buzz and be like, you know, actually, we're going to take the train. So he's <laughs> oh, literally no. interrupting their conversations and screwing people up where they're going to meet up. Oh, no. It was, Sabotage. It was genius, actually. <laughs> did you ever find out where they did meet up? No, no, no. Okay. Because he kept scanning and kept screwing with people. <laughs> and Loren, what about you? It's not really a miscommunication that ended up anywhere, but years ago, I was living in Toronto, and my brothers were talking to me about a trip they were going to take, and they were talking about going to Kabul. And I was like, okay, great. Um, let me send you some fixer numbers. I'll get you a guy who can translate. You're going to want to go through security, and we're going back and forth for all these things, and they're like, why would I need this number? Why would I want this? And I'm setting them up, contacting my guy in Afghanistan to say, I might have family members coming, and I was giving them places that I had seen that were really cool, that were relatively safe, and all this kind of stuff. And finally, they say, do you think we're going to Afghanistan on this, like, boys' trip? And I was like, I don't know. It's not the worst. Like, it's, it'd be really good. Like, it'd be interesting. You'd learn a lot. You just got to be smart. You don't want to be stupid about this. And they're like, Cabo. Like, lost Cabos. Like, Mexico. 
<laughs> and I was like, oh, that oh. makes a lot more sense. So they're like, oh my God, who's, I was like, what people do? Because in my first year there, or my first trip there, I had done a whole story on tourism in Afghanistan. And the tourism minister actually said to me in Afghanistan that people think he's the terrorism minister. Like, they thought that was a screw-up in his title. Like, and so I had actually done a story on their efforts to bring people there because that's when we had such hope. Anyway, it's in, in the long run, it's a funny story, but it's also not. It's filled with all sorts of sort of sadness. But no, they did not have any intentions of requiring a translator <laughs> for anything Hagar, other than Cerveza. Does Sammy Hagar own a bar in Kabul? That's all I want to know. <laughs> oh, boy. Because then Just I might go up. there and check it out. Where do you think we're going? <laughs> Cabo. Cabo. Right. Not Kabul? That makes a lot more sense. I have a headache from laughing so that hard. great. Oh, that's fantastic. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have tickets to see The Offspring. We're going to give those away in our next segment. They're coming to Canada Life Centre on November 18th, so wait for your cue to call. It's Tuesday, which means Breakfast with the Bombers. That comes up after Global News at 7.30. But let's get right into this here. It's a big story. The RCMP say they will be reviewing video of a party in East St. Paul that grew out of control on Saturday. Yeah, many different scenes were captured on social media, but some of the videos we viewed show Hundreds of people in the street, some jumping on police cars, some smashing the windshields, fireworks potentially shot in the direction of police, and at some point, RCMP say they found an intoxicated female being dragged into a bush where two male youths were attempting to sexually assault her. That's probably our biggest concern is, you know, what if we didn't get there or someone else wasn't there to help? And what else uh, went on there that maybe hasn't been reported to police or uh, the appropriate people yet? Word there, and our next guest is a sociology professor at Brandon University. He's also the author of several books like Policing and Social Media. We're joined now by Christopher Schneider. Good morning. Good morning. So, as we've been talking about, there's several videos of this party that have been shared on social media. What role do they play right now? Is it about combing through each one to see who's in it and what else is happening? How does it all work when it comes to this type of of filming going on in this this event, Christopher? Well, these are puzzle pieces of a larger criminal justice puzzle, as it were, in terms of the investigation. Something that the public should note is that this will actually, depending on the volume of the footage that has been shared, it will slow down the investigation. Because what ends up happening is when these materials are shared on social media, the chain of custody is broken. In other words, people can Photoshop, doctor manipulate, deep fake these videos or at least the accusations could be that's happening. And this has to be proven in a courtroom that the video is actually what it is you're seeing and just a piece of the evidence that the RCMP will provide. Is there any culpability for the person taking the video? Well, I mean, it it depends if they're also engaging in in law-breaking behavior. Uh, Other things to consider as well, um, young offenders, right? So in the research I've done with the Vancouver riots in 2011, there were several young offenders' names who were circulating on social media. And again, that's a violation of, of the Youth Criminal Justice Act. So if there are recordings of young offenders who have been accused and these are being shared by people, that could potentially be a violation. So could the combination of some of these uh, offenders or suspected offenders who appear in these videos and the difficulty in authenticating actually who's in them because of the world we live in, Christopher, deter RCMP from pursuing this to any great extent? 
Well, no, absolutely not. I think, you know, because one of the things with the, the police and police work is the crimes that are brought to their attention by the public, the police often have to investigate, especially if there's a large outcry about it. So, I mean, that's going on here and that the videos have been shared. We're now talking about it. And also, I think this situation seems a bit different in that the police have suggested that, that they, in fact, were attacked. So when you have police officers being attacked, um, that's a whole different issue and that the police are going to want to investigate and likely they're going to want to come down pretty hard with charges. Uh, Christopher, I covered the G20 events in Toronto uh, about you know 10 or so years ago. I'm trying to remember the date now. But at the time, what struck me is that there were people who came down to watch what might happen and where it might go, but weren't necessarily involved in protests, weren't clashing with police, but there was the sense that, that some people just wanted to be there. What has your research shown about just that? I don't know if it's mob mentality or if it's just more like, oh, wow, something major is going down. I don't want to be involved, but I don't want to miss out. It's an it's a interesting combination going on. I think there's something to that, sure. The, I mean, the G20 in, in 2010 in Toronto, the largest mass arrest in Canadian history, um, I think when these events happened, like the 2011 Vancouver riots, you know, that was in the, the shadow of the Game 7 of the Stanley Cup playoffs. These are situations where, you know, people want to be present because there's a large crowd. Uh, usually it, it's fun until it's, it's not. And uh, being present, being there is a part of participating in these acts. Also, uh, you know, when you, people, I think, are sort of naturally inclined to be interested in, in violations or disruptions of the status quo, we all are. This is the, the rubbernecking effect. When you're driving down the road and you see a cop who's pulled somebody over, everybody slows down to see what's going on because the fact that the police officer pulled somebody over and there's police engagement, this suggests that this status quo has been disrupted and we all want to see that. So I think there's definitely something to that. And Christopher, when it comes to a mob mentality situation, whatever that situation might be, what happens in our brains? Like, why why can people who are normally not violent or not disturbers of the peace, how like they can very quickly become that when they're in that kind of a large group setting? So, what goes on in our heads? I think what's interesting about the mob mentality that there's a whole literature in sociology that's been over 100 years in the making, research literature on mob mentality. A lot of it, I mean, it's, inc- it's actually incredibly complex. It's hard to boil down to black and white. You know, people see something, they engage in these actions. Uh, really sort of when you unpack that is people who decide, I mean, they, they, they're, they're rational actors. People are rational actors, right? They, they see somebody, you know, smashing a police RCMP vehicle or something, and then they make the decision to then do that as well in that context. They decide that maybe I won't get caught in this situation because everyone else is doing it. So I'm also going to participate. So if mob mentality was a thing in the black and white sense, everybody would engage in these activities. Whereas we know that there are bystanders who don't do this because they know it's wrong and they choose not to participate. And then yet there are others who choose to not only uh, participate, but but film themselves participating or being on the periphery. Is social media changed that whole idea, Christopher, of, of getting in on it? I think absolutely. I mean, a part of it, we have to be careful. We can't blame social media per se. Uh, also, that suggests sort of a technological determinism, but rather... You know, one of the the logics of social media is to go viral, right? We want to get likes on our status update. We want to get likes on our selfie. And by doing things that are, we might call, extreme violations of the norm, these videos typically tend to go viral. And we see circumstances of people with pet tigers and things, you know, on Instagram. uh, Those go viral because who has a pet tiger? That's crazy. Uh, Attacking a police car, uh, smashing a police cruiser, shooting fireworks at police and filming it, 
that's crazy. Who does that? So those videos tend to get more attention. And I think the people who are shooting these videos, recording these videos, they know that. Christopher Schneider is a sociology professor at Brandon University. Christopher, thank you very much for the time. This is great. Thanks again for having me. Talk to you guys again soon. And we'll continue to watch this story, and you can read more at cjob.com. Yeah, I don't. as far as, I don't know if this would be a mob mentality situation, but I remember the, the very first Winnipeg Jets preseason game back when they came back. I'm, uh, I went to that game, and I don't like fighting in hockey. I'm not looking to start a debate on that. It's just I'm not a fan. But uh, there I was with everyone mm-hmm. else standing mm-hmm. up. Kill him! Yeah. Come on, knock his head off! And, and you wonder I, who's why, who's saying that, and then it's you. Yeah, I sat down and thought, where the heck did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> and went back yeah. to not liking fighting in hockey. So, yeah. and you booed it when you're at home, but in the in person, yeah. do it. <laughs> come on, knock his block off. Seven fourteen traffic and weather next on the start. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have tickets to give away to see The Offspring. Stand by for your cue to call. We're going to do that in a couple of minutes' time. They're coming to Winnipeg on November 18th. Shania Twain is coming to Winnipeg on May 14th. Canada Life Centre, the Queen of Me tour. And we're asking you this morning to tell us about a logistical miscommunication misfire, like when Greg went to meet his fam- some members of his family at Leopold's, except he ended up at Leopold's on Academy. Some of them ended up on South Osborne, and the others ended up at River and Osborne. So they scattered it throughout to three different locations. What does Shannon have for us? Did, 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 Loren, did you flag Shannon? Yeah, so she's back in her 20s, and her boyfriend, and, and they'd been together a long time. So this is back in a time when there's no cell phones. She was calling him from a pay phone because she, I had just gone to the doctors to check to see if I was pregnant. I told him over the phone that we were lucky, and then the phone cut out. He assumes lucky means we're pregnant, we're having a baby, runs around telling all his friends and family that we're oh, about no. to have a baby. But what I had said was we were lucky it was negative. Oh, my. So I came home to a big party. We were having a baby. <laughs> oh, it was pretty no. awkward when I had to tell them, sorry, the payphone must have cut out. Uh, you got the information wrong. We're not pregnant. I just thought we're lucky because it was a negative test. <laughs> Awkward but funny, Shannon says. And in the end, we ended up having a good party, and I was allowed to have a few drinks. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a miscommunication. Was there a baby eventually, Shannon? Can you close the loop for us? Yes, yes. The great question. Uh, so keep those stories coming for a chance to win. Tickets will pick a winner at 9.15. Yeah, I just had a situation like this happen earlier this year where I was uh, texting in our our golf group chat. We were trying to figure out when we're, where we were going to go play some virtual golf. So we settled on a, on a date, and I thought we settled on a place. So I go down to Golf Zone, which is on McGilvery near the perimeter. And uh, tea time is there. It's 2 o'clock. I call my friend. He says, hey, Brad, are you lost? And I said, I'm right in the lobby. Where are you hiding? And he says, I'm at Rossmere. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm at McGilvery at the perimeter. But I was supposed to be at Rossmere Golf Course on, like, Down Henderson. So I, I said, Half okay. Half a world away. So I'll, be, I'll be right there. Yeah, and I just said, okay, I'm, I'm not going to see you today. I'm Shannon, two, two babies, by the way. Two oh, babies. 25-year-old girl and an 18-year-old boy.
Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. We're going to talk more about finances and inflation and the stress that is associated with that. But we do have some feedback from Adam. We are just talking bombers with Wade Miller. And what does Adam have for us? November 13th, the only thing people should be wearing to the West Final is their jersey and shorts. <laughs> just like me. We need to prove to everyone else coming from the West, Winnipeg is a tough, hearty bunch of fans. <laughs> that just proves possible insanity I yeah. think. not necessarily hardiness adam i love you but i don't know That's exactly what i was thinking it's <laughs> a bunch of lunatics uh but good for you adam if that's what you're doing you are you're tougher than i am there's no way i would be doing that 84 percent of canadians remain worried 84 percent of canadians remain worried that inflation is going to make every everyday things less affordable so that number is actually just 1% lower than the way many of us were feeling back in June when Ipsos last surveyed Canadians on how they're feeling and thinking about their finances. Today's poll was done exclusively for Global News, and it also found a higher number in some categories. 88% of women, 92% of those aged 18 to 34, are more worried about affordability of everyday things. Sean Simpson of Ipsos joins us now for more. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. So let's talk about that concern in women and younger Canadians. It's higher than the national average. What do we make of that? Well, there's a couple of things uh, here. Um, The first is that back in in 2020, it was younger people and women who disproportionately bore the brunt of the pandemic. When everything shut down, uh, they were the most likely to lose their jobs because they were in service industries, they were in retail industries. And so those those fears are grounded in recent experience. And as a result, their anxieties are, are higher because they've just they've lost a job. They've re-earned it. And now there's the prospect of losing one again if a recession comes. Yeah, it's obviously bothersome, Sean, because there's only th- one thing worse than not having enough money, and that's having none come in. So, you know, if you're in a situation where you're facing a potential layoff or losing your job, that can be problematic. But in the face of that is a stopgap measure. Lots of people are are racking up credit card debt. Yeah, they are. uh, Because uh, one in five Canadians say that they're already capped out. They say that they cannot uh, afford to spend any more money on life's necessities. But with inflation still well over 5%, the reality is that every time they go to the grocery store, wherever it is they're going, they are, in fact, going to be paying more. And so the, the, the only way to absorb those is on the credit card or using a payday loan service or borrowing from friends and family, however they need to get by. Um, it, it, it's, it's quite remarkable that we've got this really sizable minority of the population who says, that's it, I'm done, I can't do any more. Um, so they're worried about the future. Well, and uh, as as far as the future is concerned, what did your poll find there? Well, we found that 83% of Canadians uh, are worried or believe that the recession is is coming in the next year. Um, And and what's really interesting about that is that when you talk to economists about their prediction, it's only about uh, a 50% chance that a recession is coming. So we have a disconnect here between what economists are saying and what Canadians are feeling. And if Canadians believe a recession is coming, then they are going to start, you know, weatherproofing their finances. They're going to start spending less. And if they spend less, what does that mean? Well, it increases the chance that a recession is coming. So we probably need to get our our economists and governments on the same page as Canadians. We're saying, look, it's coming and I'm already preparing for it. 
you, you can do all the math you want, though, Sean. Sometimes at the end of the day, I think what this poll shows is there's just a feeling. You could say a lot of things to me to convince me that we're going to weather this and get through the other side. But right now, if I'm feeling, and I think I am amongst you know, this high percentage, 84, 85% of Canadians who yeah. are concerned, it's, it's hard to shake that. That's right. And, and when we ask people about, you know, sort of life's necessities and how well they're able to afford them, uh, 44% say that they're worried about being able to put food on the table. That rises to 60% among parents with kids in the household. 48% remain concerned about their ability to put gas in the tank. I mean, these are not luxuries. These are these are necessities that you need to, to be able to live your lives. And so the fact that almost half of Canadians are feeling anxious about being able to afford these... And knowing that things are still likely to get worse in the future, interest rates are still uh, will be going up, uh, inflation still high, a recession is coming. Um, you know, things are probably only, get, only going to get worse for Canadians. The numbers can be what they are. Inflation can be what it is. Economists can say what they say, Sean. But consumer confidence is such a big part of either keeping an economy out of recession or preventing it from becoming deeper and, and getting an economy out of it. So, so these feelings, these senses are a critical part of, of how our economy works ultimately. That's right. We've understood that uh, post-recession, there's been a K-shaped recovery, meaning that some people are on the upper leg of the K and they've done well. They saved more during the pandemic and some people are on the lower end of the K, meaning they struggle with job losses. They're struggling now with, with inflation, with interest rates, etc. But what, what this poll really shows is that the bottom part of that K may be larger than we initially anticipated. We initially we thought it was going to be a lot of people revenge spending, a lot of people taking on additional debt after the pandemic. And now that interest rates are rising, they may be less able to afford that debt that they took on. Sean Simpson of Ipsos, I appreciate you joining us this morning. My pleasure. Sean Simpson with Ipsos joining us live on 680 CJOB and on the subject of of trying to, to cut costs and whatnot and the price of gas. Uh, it, it, it remains a mystery to me as to what is happening in this city, but there are still a couple of, like I'm looking at winnipeggasprices.com, and uh, there are four stations listed on this site at 159.9, including the uh, 204 fuels, and I've passed that that gas station now six times in the last three days. I got on my way out to play golf in at Kingswood in LaSalle. They're open till Wednesday, by the way. And um, there's a lineup onto the street every single time I go by it. And uh, and I can get understand why, because when you look down, when you scroll down, there's a gas station here. There's a 7-Eleven at Talbot and Watt that's at 189.9. You but- can see lineups for five cents difference of gas. Six, seven, but 20 25 cents difference what remains a mystery to me though is even at these high prices we're not double where we were with gas a year ago and yet there are so many goods that are double triple or quadruple i'm quite confident iceberg lettuce was 99 cents ahead less than a year ago and i think i saw it at a store the other day for 4.99 4.99 i swear it was 3.99 or 4.99 either way that's not double that's not triple that's not like that you know that's quadruple the amount i just can't wrap my head around some of these prices and the why the why. Iceberg lettuce is water in a very basic <laughs> we've form. Seen, we've seen romaine lettuce up around three ninety nine ahead pre-pandemic at different times. Romaine I mean, is a superior lettuce. Well, I, you won't get an argument from me on that. I mean, I think it goes on the pyramid, arugula, romaine, and then head lettuce, like way down at the bottom. But it's it's good. It's, it's necessity. 
you know, if you want, I'm not exactly sure, extra water in your sandwich, I suppose. No, but I, I just don't get the why. I, I came home, I went in, came home with one head of lettuce the other day. My husband's like, what'd you get? I was like, this! I'm so mad! I bought this and left. You, <laughs> now we're having iceberg lettuce for supper. Happy had, had get Tuesday, everyone. <laughs> Cost more to fill my gas tank now than my car payment was when I was 22 years old. That's from a listener? Or is That's that from me. you? Oh, wow. Okay. Greenleaf lettuce is good too, by the way. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb coming up after Global News at 9 o'clock. What do you do with your pumpkin now that Halloween is over? We've got a really fun solution for you. So stand by for that at 9.05, and we're going to talk about what do you do with the candy in just a moment. But before that, reminder, we have Shania Twain tickets to give away. And we're asking you to tell us about logistical miscommunication. Like right now, for example, Greg and I just were trying to update the exact same thing in our script. So what I put in just got overwritten. Greg, that's my job. You Let me, let me do that. But uh, in the meantime, <laughs> Loren, uh, what's this one about Swiss Chalet? Well, it's basically born out of Greg's mis- miscommunication that it launched this whole conversation. It but was it wasn't not yours. Mine. I will not so, take responsibility for what went down. This listener says years ago, my sisters organized a dinner at Swiss Chalet on Pemina for our large family. This was before everyone had cell phones, so they called us at home, told us about it. The day of the dinner, we are sitting waiting for the other half of the family. After quite a while, my one sister has an idea. She asks to use the phone, calls Swiss Chalet on the other side of the city, and sure enough, that's where the other half of the family was waiting. We decided just to enjoy the half of the family we were with. With a half chicken, I hope. Or a quarter chicken. Quarter of the family, quarter of the chicken. All white meat. Uh, 204-780-6868. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. Oh, and by the way, we gave away tickets for The Offspring last hour. Congratulations to Chris Symbolisti. Going to see The Offspring November 18th at Canada Life Centre. Now, there are no doubt plenty of kids and maybe even their parents on a sugar high this morning. My uh, son paid the uh, paid the parent tax on his <laughs> treats this morning, <laughs> so I'm there. But here's a question for you. Would you or your child be willing to sell that bag of candy for a good cause? So this isn't just about helping others, but you might be helping yourself, your teeth, what what have you, before you eat your weight in chocolate. What's the pitch? Well, it's a candy buyback program from Western Dental. And for more, we're joined now by Dr. Ken Hemmen of the Westbrook Dental Group on St. Mary's Road. Good morning. Oh, good morning, everyone. How's everybody this morning? I'm great. Thank you. So, okay, you're trying to convince kids to give up their candy? Talk me through this. Well, Lauren, you know what? We've been doing it for years. And it's called the Halloween Candy Buyback Program. So what we do is uh, sometimes schools or kids will bring in their candy. We weigh it and we give them a dollar a pound. And uh, like you were saying, it's, it's great for parents because they decrease the candy going into their kids. And the kids love it because they get money. So it's, it's a real win-win. All right, Ken. I know you well enough. We've been hearing your voice, been hearing your commercials for years and years. You're community-minded. There's no way you're taking that candy after you've bought it and just throwing it in the garbage. Well, sometimes we have to have some of the staff and make sure that they they don't take it. But what we do is we we pay it forward. Uh, We've uh, we've given it to other charities. Sometimes we've had some seniors' homes come in uh, and get some. Uh, We've given it to the uh, Christmas cheer board and so on and so forth. So they use it for whatever it means that they they want to, but we definitely don't just throw it out. 
Do you get good candy? Like, are people actually giving you good candy, or are they just giving you those uh, lousy molasses kisses <laughs> at the bottom of the bag? Well, you know what? You'd be amazed. We get a lot. We get a lot of good candy. I think what the parents they tell me they they let the kids pick out so many things, and then the rest goes into the candy buyback program on uh, on uh, St. Mary's Road at the Westbrook Dental Group, where I'm now at. So I'm at a new location, and we're. Uh, and carrying forward with the same program that we've done in the past, and it's been fantastic. We were joking the other day, and I, I cannot recall why, but about candy and, and some things like Jolly Ranchers and how they stick in your teeth and some of the worst candies, I think. Is there a worst candy as far as a dentist is concerned when it comes to the impact it can have on your teeth? Yeah, you know what? Those Jolly Ranchers, they yes. are killers. Uh, they are uh, they're sticky. And they'll pull things out that shouldn't be pulled out and uh, break things that shouldn't be broken. So you're bang on. Jolly Ranchers is probably one of the worst things, one of the hardest candies that you can have out there. Uh, so, uh, yes, we, we get lots of those coming in. I theorize that you could use Mojo's as a temporary filling on, on the converse, on the flip side <laughs> of that, though. I'll Ken. tell you what, some, sometimes people bring them in. Uh, they come in with an emergency and they've still got a Mojo stuck in there. So they've done their own temporary fillings. But I do want to say one thing. One of the things that sometimes parents do is they'll match it. So the kids bring in three pounds of candy. They get three bucks from us. And the parents give them three bucks. So they got six bucks where they never had nothing before. Sounds like my pension plan. (laughs) Got about six bucks in it. Um, Before we let you go, where do we go for more information? If we're listening now and we're thinking we want to drop some off or reach out for more, can we do all locations or how does it work again? No, we're uh, we're doing this at the one location this year, Westbrook Dental Group, where I'm seeing patients on 249 St. Mary's Road. It's just uh, in St. Boniface, about a block south of the uh, Red Top restaurant. All right. Dr. Ken Hammond joining us live on 680 CJOB, Westbrook Dental Group on St. Mary's Road. We appreciate the time, sir. My pleasure. Have a great day, everyone. It looked like a beautiful sunrise this morning. Oh, excellent. We'll have to go take a peek down the hall uh, from the 30th floor to get a look at that. But yeah, I remember when I was a kid and we used to have to, um, like the school would encourage us to bring candy in and then it would get sent off to UNICEF. Mm-hmm. And I, because I was a selfish brat, I used to hate that. And I'd be, my mom would be going through my candy and I'd say, no, not the Kit Kats. And uh, I feel bad about that in hindsight, but. Yeah, you're a child. Yeah. Still kind of a child, hmm. and I'm hungry for Kit Kats now. Hey, hey I yeah. never ever shared my candy, so you're one up on me. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have tickets to give away later this hour for Tuke. They're playing this Friday at Club Regent Event Center. And in a moment, we want to tell you about something uh, really important that's happening in this city on Monday. But before that, we uh, many of us here at CJOB and Global News had been contacted by various listeners. Jason, for example, sent me a screenshot of this, and others had flagged it on social media, Loren. Uh, rather interesting Halloween treat that was being handed out yesterday. Yeah, so what we're seeing, not not just on posts on social media, but in conversations that our reporters are now having with parents, that they're concerned cannabis and edibles ended up in their kids' candy bags last night. So one Winnipegger has told Global News that pink bag that says Medicaid nerds on the front ended up in her child's bag, except these nerds aren't the candy that you'd get at, you know, a convenience store. They're the kind that include THC. And so, as you can imagine, this mom is very shaken up. 
It's not clear if this was intentionally given to her child or perhaps someone in the house, you know, grabbed it thinking it's simply candy, not realizing it was an edible cannabis product. But this parent has reported it to police. Police say they're investigating or they're looking into this at the very least. They're looking to get back to us on anything they might have in their system. And we are following up on other posts from other parents that say this also happened to them. So it's possible this isn't just a one-off. And we'll have more on this throughout the day. But yeah, you know, we always go through our kids' bags in our house for the peanut products. I, I don't know what I'd do if I'd found nerds that included THC. Would you have even noticed? I've seen this package, this alleged package. It looks like candy to me. It's brightly colored and and even the font and everything is reminiscent. I would look at it and, you know, uh, shape recognition and I I wouldn't even read it. I look at it and I go, oh yeah, that looks good. Maybe I'll try that myself. And that was my question, you know, because I know cannabis products in this province are not allowed to have any really colors on them or sell them in any way they don't ha- they have names but not names that you know fancy names they don't look like your alcohol products or other but for for what the province says is good reasons i i believe this nerds edible candy from what i've learned from other people is that it's not available here you might have you can get that in another province and so you might not be as familiar with that at all if you're someone who doesn't do any of these kind of products and you wouldn't be familiar with it if you are someone who does them here because you can't get that here but it looks very much like a candy bag you'd have to comb through it for sure yeah, I mean, I used to love nerds. So if you threw me one of those packages and said, hey, you want some nerds? I'd probably just go, nerds, yep, rip it open, and then look at the package after and go, oh, boy, what did I just do? So we'll uh, learn, we'll look into this further, and if there are any developments, then we shall share them with you on 680 CJOB. Remembrance Day is approaching, Friday, November 11th, and there will be a number of important ceremonies, no doubt, taking place in the lead-up, including this upcoming Monday, the 6th, no stone left alone ceremony. Yeah, this is something we've been discussing for years. We're thrilled and happy and privileged to welcome back, as always, to the start, Peter Martin, executive member of the Transcona Legion Branch Number 7. And Peter is the Manitoba coordinator for No Stone Left Alone. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, maybe for those that are unfamiliar with this project, you can let us know what's happening this coming Monday. Yes, exactly. So the No Stone Left Alone is um, really geared at bringing students and the youth out of the classroom into the field of honor in Transcona, in Brandon, and many other places in Manitoba. And what it does is bring students in front of a grave of a veteran in the field of honor. They can reflect on the name, read a bit about the person's history, and place a poppy on the headstone in remembrance of that veteran's service. So that's the key component of no stone left alone is no headstone of a veteran is unattended by having a poppy placed on the gravestone. It's been a pretty incredible thing to see over the past few years, Peter, the kids coming together, the students who are learning of the legacy behind those names, learning more about the stories from World War One or World War Two or the Korean War or other. But I know it's important to you to also get veterans out to attend. You want to honor the veterans who are gone, but also have veterans at these ceremonies. Yes. You know, you're absolutely right. That is the second key component because I've been reflecting over the past year or so that so many of our veterans, especially those that served in Afghanistan, um, feel that they're in 
in pain, they're troubling, and I really want them to know that the youth of today really appreciate their service. So our ceremony is kind of unique because I visit all the schools, I teach the students how to do a salute, and part of the ceremony is that I get hope is get as many veterans as possible wearing their outfits, standing beside me, and accepting a salute from the students, and they return the salute. So it's really powerful, emotional when you see the youth of today looking you in the eyes and saying, thank you for your service. So I really hope that we can get as many veterans out who served or continue to serve so they can actually see the youth, over 500, staring at them saying, thank you for your service. We appreciate it. We can't fix your pain, but we can at least say we appreciate what you've done for your country and your community. That's very important to me. Over 500 Transcona grade 6 students will be at the Transcona Cemetery Field of Honour on Dougald. And you are specifically, on in terms of veterans, you are you say that you're hoping to have a large contingent of Afghanistan veterans. Why why that uh, particular... Uh, well, well, it, I'm sorry to interrupt. It, 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 when I remember this day, we talk quite often about the main of the fallen soldiers, those who served, paid the ultimate sacrifice. And I feel that sometimes the Afghanistan vets who served don't feel that we think of them throughout the year and even on Remembrance Day as much. I want to let them know that that we think of them and the students think of them. So I really would like them outstanding beside me, watching the students place a poppy and especially accepting a salute from the students. It, it may make them feel that we do care uh, what they've experienced and the pain they've going through, and we thank them for their service. Peter, do you find, is it your sense that this project is engaging children to the extent that we can conclude that no- November 11th, Remembrance Day, is becoming even more important? Because I've had the sense over the last couple of decades that it's actually growing in importance and, and people are really paying attention to this. I don't know what your take is on that. Well, it is because in Transcona, for example, our ceremony has now moved from a smaller venue to the East End Community Club, a massive venue because we're getting more and more people out to see it because it's open for everyone and we're getting more to be part of that ceremony and connect. So, yes, it is growing. When I speak to the kids in the classroom, I ask them about their family members who serve and I get them to talk a bit about what that means to them. And I also say to them, when you leave our ceremony and those who are left alone, you're each getting a stone hand-painted by Tova Anderson that says, remember, on it, and a poppy. And I'm saying, take that stone, bring it home, give it to a relative who served or somebody you know who is in the military and say, thank you for your service. Here's a little stone uh, in appreciation for that service. Before we let you go, Peter, just for our listeners who might not be familiar with your story and your father's story, what drives your passion to honor our veterans? Well, my father landed in Juneau Beach, the first wave. He spoke at schools for years, and he also had emotion around November 11th that he never talked about. He just sat with tears down his cheek thinking about things. And I said, I don't know. I can only imagine what he experienced. And all I can do is support him and speak to students and carry on his tradition. So that's what I'm doing. I'm carrying on his tradition. We cannot stop or or, we're we're in trouble. We've got to keep remembering those who serve and continue to serve. And thank you for your service. Peter Martin, executive member of the Transcona Legion Branch Number 7 and the Manitoba Coordinator for No Stone Left Alone. Thank you very much for joining us as always, Peter. Uh, We appreciate the time. 
Stay safe, and thank you for what you do for Remembrance. Much appreciated. Once again, this is happening Monday, November 7th, 10 a.m. at the Transcona Cemetery Field of Honour on Dougald. It's going to be 500 Transcona grade 6 students uh, who will stand at the foot of the grave of a Transcona soldier in that field of honour. It's Mackling McGarry McNabb. We have tickets to give away for Took this Friday, Club Region Event Center. Stand by, wait for your cue to call. It is coming at 8.55. But for the next couple of minutes, um, we have a we have a like a daily meeting at eight o'clock, an editorial meeting, and Loren will jump in on that, and Greg will sometimes jump in on that. Just to discuss things that you know we're gonna look at throughout the day on CJOB and Global News. And and what's this about Christmas music? You should start playing it now because it's November. Well, just that it just that it's okay. Like and this so this is the question. One of our news overlords played <laughs> us a little bit of Michael Bublé at eight twenty in this meeting, and then the conversation started. Is November first the date to which you start getting ready for Christmas? And she expressed this idea that it was perfectly fine to also start playing holiday music, Christmas carols, November first. Well, like, where are you doing this? Like in the shower, in your, in your car, know. like in your. I, house? I have a hard. I, I try very hard to wait until December because I think. I would start like being sick of them. You mean you're already <laughs> hearing them in the stores all the time? Like I love the holiday season. Do not get me wrong. Well, and I like getting together with family. I like the food. I like I like everything about it. Right. Even the weird eggnog, which is weird. Well, I but- think I think I mentioned before, Loren. I'm going to bring Chi-Chi's into this because, <laughs> of course, there's the Spanish music that and the, that we used to play at Chi-Chi's. And when I started singing it in the shower one morning, I said, "Okay, it's time to get out." Yes. It's time to move on. <laughs> well, that's I'm what we singing all said in to her. Spanish Clearly, in the you've shower. never worked retail because if you had worked retail or in a restaurant, you would be saying to someone who is insistent on the Christmas hoopla starting November 1st, nah, because it's too much. Yeah, November 12th at the absolute earliest for me. I've got a hard line on that when it comes to, to Remembrance Day and, and moving forward from but that point. Christmas lights are up in my neighborhood on either side of our house. That's, that's, well, and I wonder, is it, like, they've actually turned them on? They didn't oh, just yeah, put them on. up, but they've turned I mean, them on. It kind of works with the Halloween, right? Because it's just extra light around your house if you have ghosts and goblins all around. But I've seen lots of Christmas lights out already. Oh, that's interesting. I know there were lots of lights on for Diwali, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and I, I saw lots of Christmas lights on last night. Because how often do we get that first snowfall? <laughs> Yeah. On Halloween night. So sometimes it's your last best chance to get your Christmas lights up is Halloween. Obviously, this year is uh, throw that advice out the window. And I know that our friends at Peggy at 99.1 in years past, they often will flip to play Christmas music, predominantly Christmas music. But they, if they do it, they always wait until after November 11th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think sometimes they've made that switch right on November 12th. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's something they're going to continue to do this year. But yeah, for me, I, no, not it's too early. And yeah, at least November 12th, because we just had our we're Halloween fun. And it just it feels like this is Plus an important nice time out. of year to be, you know, to just <laughs> let's get serious for a couple of weeks. And then we can go back to more Halloween fun, if that yes. makes any sense. Yeah. But that's an interesting topic, Loren. Thanks for flagging it. And uh, I will say uh, to our news overlord, Hell if she is no. listening, you are a lunatic. <laughs> 
<laughs> I won't say you're wrong, but you're incorrect on this one. I think there's just a lot of love for Buble, and it's an excuse to be, you know, get in her Buble mood. That's fair. I mean, how can you, you can't go wrong with a Buble unless it's Cluche versus Buble. That was a fun contest a few weeks back. Great, Rich did a great job on that, by the way. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, Shania Twain tickets up for grabs in our next segment. We also are giving away tickets to see Took playing this Friday at Club Regent Event Center, all-star Canadian classic rock. And Mr. Mackling, you posed a trivia question. Corey Churko, one of the original members of Took, is music director, guitarist, and fiddler for which Canadian mega artist just so happens to be Shania Twain. Look at that! Connecting some dots. So congratulations to Sheldon Husiak going to see Took this Friday. And last chance to get in, by the way, for the Shania Twin tickets. We're asking you to tell us a story about uh, logistical miscommunication that caused a problem. Like Denise, my sister was pregnant with her second child and had an ultrasound. Doctor told her she was going to have a girl. Well, her baby boy was born on April Fool's Day. The doctor denied it. He said it was going to be a girl. Many purchases had to be exchanged. So there you go. That was the first thing Jackie said to me when I talked to her. I was in Toronto and she found out that we were having twins. She had the, she had the, uh, what, what do you call it? The ultrasound, Loren? And so I was on pins and needles because I knew we weren't out of the woods yet for definitely not having twins. And I called her and she says, we're going to have to take back the stroller. Oh. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? We're having two. I've been in the car crying for an hour. <laughs> I was so worried. funny. I couldn't my, get a hold of her. My sister has twins too. And the pure panic. I mean, you're <laughs> terrified. The moment you find out you're going to become a parent is like singularly thrilling and terrifying and then to say you have two it's funny the parents of twins are very much like oh my what and we meet people all the time brett your mom and dad probably met people all the time because uh so oh i always wanted to have twins oh uh, yeah 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 come and try take it out one. Yeah. take one yeah and as i've told before i was a surprise at the table. Oh, that's right. Wait, mom, I don't think I knew this. Yeah, my mom was giving birth to my, my sister came out, and then the doctor says, all right, here comes number two. And no. neither of them knew. They didn't no. know. <laughs> I don't think I knew this. My dad said, I'll get a second job. I'll get a third job. So <laughs> they I, had if that was me in that moment, I'd be like, you get him out. <laughs> what did you do to <laughs> me? I already pushed one. You go get him. Get in there and get him. So last chance, by the way, 204-780-6868, a logistical miscommunication for a chance to win Shania Twain tickets. Last hour, we talked about uh, Halloween candy buyback program with Westbrook Dental. Well, there's something happening on Saturday that sounds like a super fun way to get rid of your pumpkin. It's Compost Winnipeg's second annual pumpkin drop. And let me tell you, last week for that media carving challenge, I carried on what's kind of become a tradition for us of just smashing the pumpkin because we can't carve them. We suck at it. So <laughs> I, I stood beside a down ramp in my apart, uh, apartment parking lot, dropped the pumpkin maybe 15 feet down, and watching that thing explode, Loren, <laughs> it was so satisfying. It just went to a splat. Cathartic. A literal Brett smash. Yep. So to tell us more, we're joined by Carrie Blackburn with Compost Winnipeg. Good morning, Carrie. Good morning. 
So this is actually the second time you've done this. Explain yeah. how it went last year. What was the scene? Just pump, pumpkin carnage everywhere? <laughs> Uh, well-contained pumpkin carnage. Uh, so we actually had over a, or about a thousand Winnipeggers show up to drop their pumpkins into our collection truck. So in total, from not only our main event but also our drop-off locations, we collected twenty-four thousand kilograms of pumpkins, which you might not realize that's ten percent of all the pumpkins produced in Manitoba. Wow, that's quite the uptake, and this—that's in your first year, right? <laughs> wow, Carrie, uh, kudos to you. So what led you to create this event? I wanted to throw a pumpkin off a roof. <laughs> yes, we are kindred spirits. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, actually, I, I have... Um, I work at Compost Winnipeg, and I was like, how can I combine the two? And also, I'm sure that there's many other people in this fine city that would love to also toss a pumpkin off a roof. And uh, so it started out as that, and it grew into what it is now. So we've, uh, <laughs> I can only imagine what Saturday is going to bring. Well, and, and there's also, a, it's, a, it's an important reason why you're doing this, right? Because you know, so many of us buy pumpkins, but very few of those pumpkins are getting eaten, which means... They end up in the trash. Exactly. And when organic waste ends up in the landfill, it doesn't decompose properly. It doesn't have oxygen present. So it actually uh, decomposes anaerobically, which means it produces methane, a very, very potent greenhouse gas. So by composting it separately, not only does it prevent that, it also gives you a finished product. You end up with compost, uh, a soil amendment, which, you know, we can't be a disruption in the cycle. We have to put back what we take from uh, the natural world. So we smash the pumpkins. You're avoiding the landfill. Whose job? I mean, it's fun to smash them. Who has to scoop it all up after? It goes right into our truck. So go, thankfully, you're smashing it into the truck. <laughs> exactly. So okay. we have uh, like a... Uh, you know, 195 with a big nine-yard bin, and we park underneath the second level of the parkade at Polo Park near Sports Check, and people line up at the top uh, second level and just nudge it off the ledge, and it goes splat in the truck. Do I have to nudge it on the, off the ledge? Can I do, like, can I wear a cape, some sort of Superman costume, and then just chuck it with all yes. my might? <laughs> Totally. Um, we, we referred to it as a drop so as we didn't get too many aggressive tossers. Right. But that said, yes, you can um, I don't know, be mighty in your pumpkin dropping. <laughs> and when, when these pumpkins drop into the truck, do, do you actually get to enjoy that satisfying splat slash explosion? Like, are they because are the pumpkins piling up on each other uh, or do oh, you yes. get- but then it's like you, you explode one other one with your pumpkin. Like, it's, it's like a domino Ooh. effect. You keep on smashing. Like, <laughs> uh, so it it's, uh, really is a smashing good time. This is uh, terrific. So when's it happening again, Carrie? Tell us, do we have to register in advance or do we just show up with our pumpkins? Just show up with your pumpkin. So we actually have two kind of lanes for people to choose. You can have the dropping, like what we were just talking about. But if somebody wants to, say, collect all the pumpkins from their neighborhood, load them up in the trunk, go through our drive through service, we'll offload those pumpkins. It doesn't get dropped in that fancy, fun way, but it does keep them out of the landfill. So this is happening on Saturday, November 5th, from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. Just show up and bring us your pumpkins. Did we ask you where the pumpkin where the pumpkins end up ultimately? We know where they're not going. Do we know where they are going? 
Yeah, let me tell you. So we have three places they're going. In the hierarchy of food waste, you don't want landfill uh, to be your first option, and you don't want compost piles to be your second option, actually. You want to feed people, you want to feed animals, and then you want to compost it. So we've partnered with Leftovers and Community Helpers Unite to upcycle some of these healthy, happy pumpkins. And then uh, we've also partnered with the Little Red Barn Animal Sanctuary, as well as uh, Aurora Farms to feed their rescued animals. And then lastly, we're taking the remaining pumpkins to uh, our compost site, at the Prairie Green Landfill for their uh, large-scale composting method takes care of that. Uh, And also Sustainable Organic Solutions is helping us compost them as well. Carrie Blackburn with Compost Winnipeg. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate this. Thanks so much for having me. Sounds super fun. And oddly enough, she just mentioned Little Red Barn Sanctuary, my apartment complex. Uh, They do a really great job of decorating the the courtyard, and there are all Mm -hmm. kinds, like 50 pumpkins. So they took them all away and brought them to this Little Red Barn Sanctuary. And I'm actually looking at a video right now of uh, (laughs) an adorable video of a pig chowing down on a pumpkin, and then there's a cow enjoying these pumpkins. So that was good to see. So it's good to hear that that the pumpkins will go to either good use or they'll go to a better place than the dump. It's Mackling McGarry McNabb. We have Shania Twain tickets to give away. May 14th, Canada Life Centre. We're asking you about logistical miscommunications, like Greg and his family, where he ended up at Leopold's on Academy, and some other members of his family were South Osborne Leopold's, and then another was the one at River and Osborne. Mm-hmm. Let's meet at Leopold's, but no one said which one. Um, so, Scott is our, one of our runners up here. So what does Scott have for us? This is about uh, 2004. I went to the airport to pick up my mother-in-law, and while I was waiting, I was told to leave by security, uh, 9-11 concerns. So I phoned my wife and told her, when your mother calls, tell her to just stand at the door and I will do laps until I see her and I'll stop and pick her up. It was the old terminal, of course, and, and she would walk out one set of doors, walk to the south doorway, go back inside, and walk inside back to the north door where she would again go outside and walk back to the south doorway. Every time I drove by, drove by, she was either just going in again or coming out after I passed. After 15 or 20 laps, security really started paying attention to me. And if I even stopped for a second, they were right on me. Once I caught her outside and was calling to her, She's deaf. She couldn't hear me screaming. Other passengers were confused about what I was yelling at. And security is moving after me yet again. And she just plodded along back into the terminal. She never lifted her head and looked around at all. Just rambled along, head down, dragging a wobbly suitcase. Finally, after almost an hour, I got the timing right and got her just coming out. She berated me for being so late. (laughs) At what point you're not just parking and walking in or or leaving her? (laughs) One or the other. Well, if Scott had done that, Loren, he wouldn't have had that great story to share with us. That's true. But our next one is our winner. And this is from, we got this text from Michaela, who uh, wanted to share a text from her friend Danielle, because Danielle said the the text won't go through. I need you to send in this story for a chance to win. What does Danielle have? Lorette? Danielle says, I used to live in Alberta. My friend and I were shopping in Sherwood Park, which is near Edmonton. We were driving too slow, according to the officer who pulled us over, LOL. 
So she looked up my info, told me that I had a warrant out for my arrest, and I had to sign a promise to appear for court. Danielle says, I am a law-abiding lady, so this was a f- horrifying. I was crying. The charge was not paying for LRT, which is public transit. Instead of fighting, I just agreed and signed the paper, terrified, thinking, WTF, I've never even been on LRT. <laughs> anyway, we then went through a drive through and the officer pulled us over once again to let me know it was a mix-up. Another girl with the same name and date of birth. Danielle says, I sure hope she started paying for her public transit. <laughs> Congratulations, Danielle slash Michaela. You're going to see Shania Twain. Also, just a heads up, Winnipeg police have uh, sent out a tweet uh, confirming the re- several reports of THC nerds candy was found in Halloween candy in South Tuxedo. So they're saying check all of your children's Halloween candy. And uh, if you find the item, to call police at 986 <laughs> It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. If you gave out Halloween candy on Monday, how many kids came to your door? Under 50, 51 to 100, 101 to 499, or 500 plus? And if 500 plus sounds ludicrous, we did have somebody say 850 kids on Elm Ugh. Street in River Heights. That's a nightmare on Elm Street. And you had oh, another, oh you, there you go. Bada boom. And you had somebody private message you a number over 500 as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. So. Young Chad in, uh, in EK, I believe, is in East Kildonan. And uh, he says the, the whole neighborhood does it up. And he's, he counted, I think, was it 597? That wow. is fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, as well, in case you just missed it off the top of the news uh, with Jeff Braun, a situation last night, Loren, in South Tuxedo. Yeah, so we've been talking uh, since early this morning about these posts on social media about possibility that some kids may have received in their candy bags some THC edibles in the form of what looks like a nerd's package. So the Winnipeg police have tweeted out within the last half hour that they are putting out this warning saying that they've received several reports that THC nerds candy was found in Halloween candy in South Tuxedo. Check all of your children's Halloween candy is the warning. And if you find this item, call 204 204- All right. Kathy Kennedy, by the way, is going to join us in our next segment to tell us what's coming up on Connecting Winnipeg. But right now, as we enter a new month, get ready to see more facial hair. November. 16th annual campaign in Canada launches today. And of course, this is an opportunity, Greg, to raise awareness and money towards several men's health issues. Well, it's also an opportunity to get some time back. (laughs) 90% of men shave once a day and shaving uses up a total of five months of a man's life if you start shaving when you're 14. So there you go. There's another reason to participate in Movember. Todd Minerson is country director of Movember Canada. Good morning, Todd. Good morning, folks. Great to have a chance to talk about Movember today. Well, we appreciate you making time for us. So did you uh, do the clean shave today? Are you starting fresh from scratch? I'm just about to take off a four-month effort of a handlebar mustache I've got going (laughs) here in Toronto with some uh, sexy firefighters and and the mayor of Toronto. So it's coming off momentarily, and I'm going to not enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. That's a lot of work uh, to start over, but it's for a good cause. And 16 years, I can vividly remember the first November. Time really does fly. How has the event changed over the years, Todd? 
Uh, you know, it's grown massively from that those early days where it was just a bunch of, uh, you know, fun guys getting out there and trying to raise money and awareness. Now, 16 years later, we've got 60,000 Canadians across the country participating in November, men, women, children, you name it. And, you know, over that time, we've raised an incredible amount of money and, and awareness for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and mental health and suicide prevention. To the, to the point where, can't, like, Canadian Mo bros and sisters are the number two funder of prostate cancer research in Canada behind only the Canadian government. $107 million these Canadians have raised for prostate cancer in the last 16 years. Wow, that's incredible to think about that. And, you know, when we talk about prostate cancer, I know that's the focus, but there are other men's health-related issues that, that we look to get some of the money towards. Is that not right? Absolutely. You're so right there. We're talking about mental health and suicide prevention as well in the last 10 years or so. And it's really been uh, incredible to open the doors and get more people involved by bringing on these issues. They're hard to talk about. They're hard to do things about. But together, when we kind of raise awareness and we start talking about these issues, we know we can make a difference. So we funded a number of kind of mental health projects with veterans and first responders, with Indigenous communities in this country. Uh, right there in Churchill, Manitoba, actually, we helped open the world's first subarctic uh, mental health and addictions facility in Churchill. And it's really been phenomenal to see Indigenous men not have to travel to the South and get culturally relevant treatment for their uh, mental health and addictions challenges. So as far as men's health facts are concerned, one in eight Canadian men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer in their lifetime. Testicular cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer in young Canadian men. Three out of four deaths by suicide in Canada are men, and suicide is the second leading cause of death among Canadian males aged 15 to 44. Um, so in terms of these health issues, how many of them, how many of the, the, the issues that men face are compounded by either embarrassment or perhaps shame or just an unwillingness to face these issues when they are less serious? That's a great point. You know, like if a boy and a girl in Canada is born in in 2020, that boy has a four-year shorter lifespan than that girl, and largely because of preventable things like you're talking about. We need to kind of reduce the shame of asking for help for guys. We need to kind of undo some of these, you know, tough guy aspects of masculinity that say, oh, I just rub a little dirt on it, it'll be fine, it'll go away by itself, uh, and all that kind of stuff, because really... If we can get men thinking and caring about their health and doing taking action for it, uh, we're going to shorten that gap. And, and, you know, there's largely preventable reasons for, for what uh, those urgent issues are. Todd, uh, several years ago, a shift was made for not just uh, bros to be involved, but also uh, bros and sisters to collaborate and to work together and to raise money and awareness for these issues. Yeah, our Mo sisters are some of the most incredible uh, participants that we have like you don't have to grow a mo you can go to movember.com you can move for november this month uh we suggest setting a target of 60 kilometers and that's for the one man we lose every hour every day around the planet to suicide uh you can host an event you can mow your own way we have women who are climbing the cibc tower in toronto in their full fire gear we have women that are running uh, marathons we have women that are doing thousand burpees uh, in the month like there's just some incredible stuff that's happening uh, from our female supporters and it's no surprise because you know women care about guys in their lives and uh, they want to see them live longer healthier happier as well and 
we're all going to know a man probably in our life who's affected by mental health or prostate cancer. So it's really no surprise that women are amongst our, our great supporters. Yeah, there are dads or brothers or uncles or friends, right, exactly. Todd? And I think there's so many ways to relate to this. And I will say it <laughs> to my chagrin, even the hair. I, I'm not a fan of the mustache, but for you, is it easily grown? You know, <laughs> mine grows thick, but it grows slow. So I'm going to look like a fool for the next 10, 12 days <laughs> with nothing there. But, you know, it's for a good cause. And there's nothing better than walking around the city and seeing a guy who's also <laughs> struggling to get it going. And you kind of look yes. across and you give the head nod and you're like, I know what you're doing. I feel you, man. feel you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I feel you. And, <laughs> you know, it's a great conversation starter. And that's half the battle as well. We want people sure. talking and thinking and acting about men's health. And so if I got to look ridiculous for 10, 12 days, maybe 30, then... I don't care. Well, and as well, uh, and I'm just looking at some of these mustache facts that you've provided here. And if you are used to being a clean shaven person, um, it kind of the mustache can it looks like it kind of becomes a, a fidget spinner, so to speak. Like uh, what the average man touches his mustache 760 times a day. I know that kind of creeps me out a little bit, especially in the age of pandemics and stuff. But uh being a being a proud guy with a handlebar right now, I, I really kind of relate to it. But, uh, you know, it's it, it, it kind of just becomes a custom. I have to warn my daughter every day on Halloween, like, hey, tomorrow daddy's going to have no, no facial hair, right? You're good with that? <laughs> and uh, and she is. But, yeah, it, it really is. Uh, that's the magic of the Mo. You know, it's a conversation starter. It's something to talk about. It's a way to have fun while you're doing good. And it's something that, you know, we can all we can all participate in our own ways on including that the one month old mustache can hold 30 milliliters of liquid, which is 10 percent of a glass of beer before it leaks on your face. That seems uh, like that should be studied I, and turned into some sort of absorbent product. Huh. That is. Yeah, impressive. I think it might be even more if it's a Guinness or a tomato juice. <laughs> a thick uh, stout. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those those kinds of things that are ribs, man, you definitely don't want to be doing the ribs or corn on the cob when you got a good. Mo going, but um, yeah, the cookie duster, the uh, the tea the tea sipper, all the tea filter, all those things are good ways to describe the uh, various things that can get caught in your mo. Oh yeah, the duster. That's uh, that's the one that my 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 kids always talk about. Dad, I I can only grow a duster at this point <laughs> in time. Todd Minerson is country director of Movember Canada. Of co- course, Movember launches today, which means you're going to be seeing some clean shaven faces uh, that are going to be growing uh, mustaches in supports of some. Very Very important issues for men's health, including mental health, including uh, prostate cancer and testicular cancer and, of course, suicide prevention as well. It's all a great cause. And and you mentioned the idea of not having a mustache. I remember my dad had a mustache until I was in grade four and I came home one day at lunchtime and he'd shaven it off. And it was the most yes. startling thing that had ever happened in my life to that point. Yes. I'm pretty sure. So the idea now of growing something, because my wife, when I go clean shaven, she says, grow something back on that lip. I can't stand to look at it. <laughs> well, everyone is a good for a good cause. And this time of the year, there's no such thing as a bad mustache. So thanks for letting me uh, share a little bit about our work on men's health and People can go to Movember.com to, to find out how to get involved or find out more about these important mental health issues. Todd Minerson, Country Director, Movember Canada. Thank you for the time. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you all. Take care.
And Jim Toth, by the way, of course, will be getting back on the Movember train. He is forming a team, I believe, Skylar Peters. Is going oh, to get that, in on that. Skyler Skyler, yeah, exactly. All, I just need one day without that mustache around. Town. Is, yeah, is, he's got the Austin Math- Matthews mustache oh, going. It's terrible. And uh, I has got a bad one going guy. too. Sorry, Loren. Mustache, great guy, terrible mustache. I mean, Skyler, not Austin Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did say he was thinking of restarting this duster tomorrow. Anyway, so he is in. So Jim is in, and uh, there's going to be. I, I think they're going to look to form their own sort of team page. So. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We say hello to Kathy Kennedy in Unconnecting Winnipeg this week. Hi, KK. Good morning. I was uh, planning on taking part in Movember. I was going to let the mustache go a little bit, but then, you know, some activities and events planned this month, so I couldn't (laughs) join in. But I'll support Skylar all day long if it means, as Loren says, if he, you know, takes that stash off for at least It's gone. He sent us a photo, and I can't even recognize him without that whatever you call that thing he was wearing. I would walk right past him at the mall. If I if I saw him, I wouldn't recognize him at all in any way, shape, or form. He looks about wow. 12. Yeah. Yep. Well, he didn't send me the picture, so I can make fun of him, I guess, even more. Uh, Skyler, I, hate the, I hated the mustache, so I'm glad to see it's gone. <laughs> Isn't he <laughs> the one gone. that turned around in the office one day and I said, oh, you're still doing that, eh? Like something completely rude just came out of my mouth that I couldn't even... <laughs> Why? Poor Skyler. Yeah, uh, I know. He knows, though. He knows. Um, all right. Hey, you, you mentioned the mall. Uh, we're going to talk about mall staffing and actually holiday staffing. Uh, Jason Gill is going to be joining us from Staff Max this morning, and we'll talk about the holiday hire. How are things going? You know, listen, so many businesses, uh, from restaurants to retail, you know, have struggled to, to try and find workers in, in the last several months. And now here we are gearing up for the biggest uh, time of the year, the holiday season. How is that hiring going? Are they uh, finding the workers they need for the next couple of months? Well, we're going to find out from uh, Jason Gill, again, from Staff Max. Also, we'll talk about what you should be doing with your leftover pumpkins. And there are some who leave them out for the deer. Is that a good idea? I don't know. We're going to find out. Barrett Miller from Fort White Alive will be joining us. We'll also talk about Reading season. Oh, uh, this is most a dangerous, dangerous time of the time. year. <laughs> Those yeah. sex, what do you know about sex it? Sex crazed deer running around after one another. <laughs> Can't even see cars because of the lust in their eyes. Just stare me down every day. Just about hit one last night. And even my son said, my life just flashed before my eyes. I was like, these deer, I'm telling you, they have a vendetta against me. With their lust-filled eyes. With their oh. lust. And you know what? The woman's not always in on it. She's running for her life, man. And these they're just after her. She doesn't want it. She doesn't want it like that. Oh, I think it's going to be several weeks before we see Loren back in the studio. I can't She's drive in now. Home. November is like a, is a drive-free zone for me. I can't do it. No. All right. Well, that that's all I got. I, I can't the talk rut. that. Tune in between 10 and noon. What did you say? Lust-filled what? Lust-filled eyes. Predators, some of them Lust-filled sprint across the highway. Mackling McGarry McNabb. Mackling McGarry McNabb and Forte. We all say thank (laughs) you for listening to The Start.